So uh, yesterday we talked about plans, about planning uh, and how we make them and about how God's will guides us and leads us. But I was struck looking at these last chapters that sometimes our plans fail, don't they? Sometimes they go awry. Uh, and uh, I just thought this little graphic um, kind of sum, sums that up. I'm just about to share my screen with you. Yeah, I, th I thought this uh, kind of summed up a little bit of sometimes how we feel. Uh, sometimes our best laid plans, uh, they go awry. Uh, and I was thinking about an instance where our best laid plans, mine and Rachel's, went awry. Um, it was our third anniversary uh, and um, we went for a uh, break away uh, on an island called Boracay uh, in the Philippines. Uh, so we were living in Hong Kong uh, and basically we, we'd spent quite, it, it was kind of last minute, but, it, but we'd spent quite a bit of time planning this and, and trying to, to make sure that uh, we had everything sorted. So we knew which hotel we were staying at. Uh, we knew how we were getting there. It's quite complicated to get to this island. You have to fly into a certain airport. Then you have to take a bus for two hours. Then you have to get on a boat, which takes you to the island. Then you have to get a porter to take all your stuff from the island to your hotel. <laughs> Uh, so it's really, it took a lot of planning. Um, but Jingle and Jonathan helped us out because they knew the people or they knew people who owned the resort. So we thought, fantastic. We've done all this planning. It'll be great. Uh, so we arrived probably late in the evening um, or, or get, getting towards the end, uh, sorry, early evening, starting to get dark. And we'd never been to this place before. So the porter meets us at the boat and starts taking all our stuff to the hotel. So we thought, fantastic. And we're walking past all these great hotels and thinking, oh, I wonder what this will look like. Because it was just one that Jingle had told us about. And then we come outside this gloomy, nondescript building. Uh, and we enter into a dingy uh, reception area. And we sit in a horrible couch. Um, really just not knowing where we are and what's going on. So I spoke to the lady at reception and, and she said, oh, we've got no record of your booking, um, but it's okay. Don't worry. We've got a special room for you, which was basically a closet behind the reception area. Um, so we go in and the Philippines isn't the safest of places anyway. This is a, a well-known resort um, island, so it should have been safe, but we just didn't feel safe. So we basically locked our things in the safe that was in the room. And then we went looking for a, for a hotel. Rachel was upset. Um, I was feeling unsafe. Um, and we just found the nearest hotel that we could and checked in uh, and, and stayed there. And it, it ended up being okay. But all our planning came to naught. Um, and, and sometimes it seems in the Bible that these things happen. And, and we're at the end of the book of Acts, and it seems like things are going that way for Paul. Paul's plans seem to have been really messed up. He's been four years under arrest, uh, nearly dies in a shipwreck. And, uh, and it just seems like things are falling apart. So let's remind ourselves what's kind of happened up to this point um, from where we left off last time. Uh, so we finished in chapter 20 yesterday, and there's been a gap uh, between our passages, obviously. In that time, Paul's been accused of many false things. He's been arrested in Jerusalem. Then Paul claimed his Roman citizenship in order to be tried fairly, and he was sent to Felix, uh, who was a governor, and, and had him first imprisoned while he decided what to do with him. 
After two years, Felix was succeeded by Festus. And during his, this trial, Paul states that he wants to be seen by Caesar. Festus agrees, uh, but before he's able to send him off, King Agrippa, the last of the Herods, comes into play. Festus wants Agrippa's advice on Paul's case, so Paul is able to have a hearing. And when Paul's allowed to plead his case, he gives them a short history, uh, which gives us a, a great insight into Paul's background. Through this and other aspects that we're going to look at today, we'll see that no matter man's intent, no matter man's will, God has a better plan. And first we'll see that God has a better plan in Paul's early life. So Saul, as he was back then, lived the perfect Jewish life. And we see that in chapter 26 um, and verses 4 to 11. So I'm just going to read that for us. So then, so this is Paul talking. So then all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem. Since they have known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee, according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. And he's laying out um, his credentials and how he was the consummate Jew. He was the Pharisaical golden boy. He had it all. He had the pedigree. He had the knowledge and skills acquired under one of the most famous rabbis, Gamaliel. And to cap it off, he had the zealous fire that the Pharisees needed for him to destroy the church. He was going places. Um, who knows what his plans were for the future? But in the short term, his desire, his plan was to wipe out the church. He says in verse 11, and as I punished them often in all synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme and being furiously enraged to that at them. I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged, I was journeying to Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What a miraculous intervention of God's will into the life of Saul. Saul's plan was for him to attack the followers of the way and to wipe them out. God's will was for Saul to become Paul and to join them. God had a better plan for Saul. But God's better plan didn't cease with Saul's conversion. Um, some might look at Paul's life after conversion and say that it went downhill a little bit. Chapters 20 to 25, Paul gets a prophecy that he'll be bound and killed. He's misunderstood, misrepresented, slandered, detained without cause. Then he's in prison for years because those in power cannot make up their mind about him. So he appeals to the highest power in the Roman world and then winds up being shipwrecked and nearly dying. Then he finishes up under house arrest in Rome for two years. That's a far cry from the powerful man that he was before. Many would look at that and say, whatever plan you had, it's, it's gone to naught. It's gone awry. But as we see the scope of all of this, we're reminded that behind, in front, alongside and through all of this, is God's incredible plan being worked out. Back in AD 56, Paul is in Corinth and he writes a letter to the Roman church saying that he desperately wants to come to them. But it doesn't happen. He's not able to get there. Until roughly 60 AD, four years later, uh, Paul finally comes to Rome. 
Paul knew that from the moment Festus uttered those words in chapter 25, verse 12, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go, that he was going to Rome. And the, road, and the road to Rome was fraught with difficulty, but Paul had an assurance that the Lord's plan would not fail. If you look at chapter 27 uh, and verse 20, 22 to 23, in the middle of this incredible, if you remember, so Paul be, to be taken to Rome is on the ship um, and he's told them, you need to not do this. You need to not go this way. You need to wait. And they ignored him and set sail anyway. And they come under this huge um, storm, this this incredible storm uh, that was uh, do, basically threatening to, to wipe them out. And, and Paul says in verse 22, yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the, of the God whom I serve and belong, whom I serve, stood before me, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. He was absolutely sure that the Lord would preserve him, not just so that he wouldn't die, but so that his mission would continue. So let's look at the closing verses of chapter 28. Verse 28 of chapter 28 of Acts. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, that they will also listen. When he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Some would look at this and say, what a waste. Paul in prison for two years. But look at what that allowed. He was not able to be subject to riots or arrests, stonings or shipwrecks, nothing that would inhibit his ministry. Instead, he spent two years preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and the last word unhindered. God's plan is always a better plan. The hardest thing for us is to see it, to follow it, to trust in him. I have no doubt that Paul had moments of struggle and discouragement and frustration and sorrow and endless pain. But he was still a man. He was still a man. But he persevered. He knew that God's plan for him was to spread the gospel to the Gentile nations. And this is why in the last letter he penned, the last thing that he wrote, uh, it, uh, the, the letter to T Timothy, the second letter to Timothy, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Verses six to eight, we read these incredible words. 2 Timothy 4, verses six, verses six to eight. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. God's plan is always a better plan. Paul trusted in God's plan explicitly. And this is the model that we need to follow, the challenge that we need to take, regardless of hardship, regardless of struggle, regardless of good times and ease. We must persevere so that one day we might be able to echo Paul's words and so that we might hear those coveted, wonderful words from Christ. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray.